0: This episode is brought to you by Greg Morris Cards. If you're looking to unload your collection and maybe turn some of that old cardboard into cash, Greg Morris can help. Greg's always buying collections of vintage basketball, baseball, football, or hockey cards. And if you have modern or ultra-modern graded cards, he'll buy those as well. On top of all that, Greg takes cards on consignment. Go to gregmorriscards.com to sell them your cards, or you can email joe at gregmorriscards.com directly. What's up, everyone? This is episode 136 of the Wax Museum Podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle, and as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast, and my Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. All right, um, I'm going to mix the order up a little bit today because I had a really fun mail day this week, and I'm excited to share, and I feel like it's just a good point to start on. So um, I know some weeks I jump on here and tell you about cards I buy on eBay, and there's certainly nothing wrong with that, but I feel like this week's mail has a much more interesting story to go along with it. So uh, sometime last week, I got a message from a listener named Joey, and his Instagram handle is at Pop one and he asked, it was kind of an odd request, he asked if I had any more Wax Museum RPA promo cards with the inscription status truther on them and those of you that are longtime listeners you might remember these cards basically you know I made them as a joke to hand out at the 2020 national Um, that never happened by the way and then uh, over time I ended up mailing a lot of them out to friends and then the remainder got handed out at this year's national instead Uh, well fortunately I still had one left and uh, Joey wanted a status theme copy specifically Because of an episode I did with Evan, aka Cards on Instagram and Blowout. That was episode 52. If you haven't listened to it, make sure to check it out. But as part of that episode, Evan ran through his favorite Panini inserts and talked about why he thought they were significant. I know I learned a lot from the conversation, and apparently it also encouraged Joey to take the plunge and really dive back into the hobby, so... Uh, You know, even though I thought this card was just a silly little custom, it had some significance to him because it kind of marked his entrance back into the hobby. So I, you know, I respected that. So anyway, he said, if you still have one, I'll trade it for this. And he attached a picture of a uh, 2008, 2009 upper deck black Roy Hibbert rookie patch auto numbered 30 out of 30. It's a really nice card and a lot nicer than a homemade custom wax museum card. So um, you know, I recognized that he was essentially gifting me this Hibbert, and, and I was very appreciative of that. So um, we made the trade. I get my end in the mail, and, and this thing is really stunning. I know I probably abused that phrase, um, or abuse this coming phrase too, really, but pictures don't do this card justice, and I, I really mean it. Um, or maybe my pictures just suck, but uh, the patches are all multicolor. The foil looks great. The surface is clean. Um, the signature doesn't run all over the place, and um, I know Panini's tried a few things with black surfaces and gold pins, uh, but they've never really gotten anything close to the consistency that Upper Deck had with that combo. So um, once Joey received his card, he posted it on Instagram, I did the same, and a little later I added it to my Twitter, because I remembered that Roy uh, Hibbert was you know, on there at one point. In fact, he was the main reason I signed up for Twitter back in 2010, and uh, he was posting a lot, and then the Pacers had this young rookie named Paul George, um, and, and I remember you know they made some sort of video or video series where Roy was responsible for sort of introducing Paul to Indianapolis, um, which was a lot of fun. I wanted to be able to follow that. Roy was posting a lot of Xbox stuff then too, so he was a, a really good follow for that stage of my life. Pacers and Xbox, and yeah, I, well, maybe, you know, maybe things don't change, but, um, fast forward to 2021, I didn't really want to bother him much, so I just wrote, today's mail, and I added his handle, and to my surprise, he replied a few hours later by saying, I think I remember signing that, enjoy, and, you know, it was just a small interaction, but it made my evening, and it felt like things had kind of come full circle, so thanks to Joey for listening and reaching out, Uh, Thanks again for the card, and and thanks to Roy for being a good sport about the whole thing, too. Okay, Um, let's move into some hobby headlines. So uh, due to the timing of these first two events that I'm going to talk about, I know I'm not the first to cover them. I know I won't be the last. And uh, I think there are other people out there that already did a good job weighing in on these events, specifically the card ladder guys on the last episode of The Crossover. So if you want to hear a more in-depth conversation regarding those these first two happenings, um, I'll redirect you there. But I still want to summarize things here because if nothing else, uh, it will help us to catalog this information for the years to come. So the first headline deals with Fanatic CEO Michael Rubin's recent appearance on CNBC. And this was significant in that it was the first time, uh, at least the first time I've seen Rubin publicly acknowledge the company's pursuit of and acquisition of, of the league licenses. And right toward the start of the interview, he describes the current collector experience as brutal and states his desire to bring all the pieces together. And based off the rest of the interview, it seems like this could at least mean uh, manufacturing, breaking, selling, grading, etc. And, and minus the manufacturing part, I think this is what the AltaFox uh, hedge fund was trying to do when they were you know, leveraging whatever power they had as shareholders over at PSA. And now obviously uh, things changed. They didn't end up, you know, being as a part of that as they thought they would. But it um, seems like fanatics might be interested in in being part of the whole process. So uh, Ruben continued by talking about creating a more direct to consumer model. And then finally, he mentioned he was open to the idea of possibly purchasing an existing card manufacturer. So Needless to say, this whole thing is going to be very interesting to follow. I'm going to try my best to leave any speculation out of this and just let the facts speak for themselves and be revealed for themselves as this whole process moves forward. Um, Okay, the second headline that captured a lot of attention in the hobby this weekend revolved around HGA slabbing multiple counterfeit cards. And... um, a lot of people have been talking about this. I want to give credit to Ryan, a.k.a. Breakout Cards, on Twitter and YouTube. There's also a Florida local here. Um, he did a great job bringing some attention to this and outlining why some of the cards were fake. So uh, I don't know if he got the, the attention for that, maybe that he deserved, but he did a great job with that. So anyway, on Friday, HGA's owner addressed the issue on social media by saying, quote, we are aware of the fake Mahomes autograph and the fake gretzky opichi. We spent the last couple days tracking these cards through our process to try to figure out what went wrong. When orders have cards of different eras, vintage cards are verified by vintage specialists and modern cards are verified by modern specialists. Mixed orders have been passed back and forth and unfortunately, that is how these issues have happened. We have now changed the process to prevent that from happening and we're bringing in more technology to assist in identifying fake cards and autographs. Any cards fully processed by us Proven to be counterfeit will be purchased back at the perceived value, end quote. Well, uh, you know, let me start off by saying that every grading company is, has slabbed counterfeit cards. So, you know, they can't go back and undo what's already been done. And, and I'm happy to see that HGA is buying these back and taking them off the market. Uh, my advice to you, do your research. And, you know, that's when you're buying anything. Research the cards Make your own judgment if something looks good to you or not. Uh, research what grading companies specialize in certain types of cards or which companies have a good reputation with certain types of cards. I know Ryan posted another video of a counterfeit Mario Lemieux rookie that HGA slabbed. And um, he ran viewers through the signs for a Lemieux and it seemed pretty simple. So, you know, I all I can say is I think... Um, if I were slabbing any sort of valuable hockey cards or vintage hockey, I would probably stay away from HGA right now. It doesn't mean they couldn't be used in the future. And really, you know, if you want to use them now, use them now. Um, that's not to say the entire company is trash, but you need to decide where and how you feel comfortable spending your money. Okay, the last headline I want to cover from this week involves another altered card. This is one that I discovered on Monday night. And, um, you know, it always seems to happen this way. I was just about to head to bed when I saw the October Golden Auctions were posted. Um, and, and I've never purchased anything from these auctions. It's I don't have anything against them. It's just, you know, they don't post a lot of Ron Artest or Jeff Foster cards. But they've always got high-profile RPA. So in order to keep my trackers up to date, it's important that I check these things on a regular basis. So lo and behold, as I'm scrolling through, I came across a very familiar looking Kawhi Leonard RPA. That's copy 83 out of 199. Now, the only reason this one is so familiar to me is because I've had conversations with a couple of people in the past about how streaky the autograph was. I know Kawhi in general has a real streaky auto, but this one was pretty bad. And um, that stuff always sticks out to me because it, it makes the card a likely candidate to be altered down the line. Very similar to the Curry RPA numbered 16 out of 99, which eventually did get altered. i have talked about that a lot on this show. Um, well, this card was in a slab I had never seen it in before. It was graded PSA authentic with a 10 autograph grade. So that prompted me to look at the streaky auto, which not surprisingly, was no longer streaky. It was bold with several new added pressure points. Now, just to make sure all of my I's were dotted and my T's were crossed, I pulled up my Kawhi file and I had five different pictures of this card with a streaky autograph from the past. Um, you know, And I still get people on my Instagram, like I post something like this and they say, well, what if Kawhi uh, signed over it? You know, when is Kawhi going to sign over this? You know, people use your common sense or I don't understand. You know, they, they I, what has traced mean? Use your common sense, people. Um, one of these pictures, one of the old pictures even had a WorthPoint logo in the bottom left corner, which um, indicates that it's from a while ago. So uh, I posted the card on the blowout forums and my social media. I tagged Ken just so he would see it and he ended up taking it off his platform. So kudos to him for that. And then I also tagged PSA um, on Instagram, at least. I can't actually tag them on Twitter because they have me blocked. You know, God forbid they actually engage in constructive dialogue about something they've done. Uh, I want to say, you know, maybe that they I'm just still blocked from the old regime. You know, maybe the new regime is different. And, and this is just a result of the ghost of the past. You know, our good buddies, Joe and Steve. But... Anyway, I, I'm not sure if PSA is going to do anything about this copy. I know I've heard people talk about their different policies, but I haven't seen any sort of response or statement from them yet. I'd like to see them buy it back, similar to what HGA did. Maybe they could even put a little pressure on the person who submitted it to. Um, but it, it, it raises some questions. You know, it makes me wonder. You know, were they using the Gentiment technology when this thing was slabbed? you know, I, I don't know. I, I know they acquired the company in April based off of some Instagram posts I've seen. I believe this Kawhi was slapped sometime in the last year. So if it was inspected with gentlemen, you know, they might need to fine tune it a little bit to focus on the autographs too. We focus so much on trimming and patches. There are so many aspects to cards. Um, you know, so they, they kind of need to refine this technology. That's what I'm getting at here. Either way though, I was able to detect it with an ancient technology called, um, eyes and, um, along with little records keeping and this new signature had so many (laughs) mismatched pressure points. So the fact that this got through is concerning enough. The fact that it then got a 10 on the auto is downright pathetic. So, you know, I guess if nothing else, that makes it a great candidate for next month's SMR magazine, like the other Kauai national treasures they featured, you know, the altered one. Um, speaking of other altered copies, this is only the third altered copy that we know of, which I, I went through and counted them. I, I thought it would be higher than that. It feels like it's higher than that, but, um, the only other ones I know of have swap patches. That's 115 out of 199 and then 140 out of 199. I know the Immaculate RPA seem to have been hit a lot harder than these, and, um, several of those have been outed as trimmed, and it's easier to detect because of the dark bubble pattern on the top of those cards, Um, anyway, I suspect there are at least a handful more out there and I say at least because that's a fairly conservative estimate in my mind, but like I said, Ken has already taken it down. The ball is in PSA's court. I've heard they've had have a money back guarantee. I don't know the exact terms that go along with that. Whatever they decide to do with this card, I hope they make that information public because I think that kind of stuff goes a long way. All right, before I move into today's main segment, I want to take a moment to remind you how you can support this show. As you guys know, there are costs that go into producing a podcast. One of my goals is to always keep the show itself free. As a result, I've signed up for affiliate programs with eBay and Fanatics. Um, Speaking of Fanatics, they've had some WNBA Fanatics exclusive blasters this week, so I've had some people buy those through the links, so thank you. Um, if you're interested in doing that or, or shopping through the eBay link, go to www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. Click whatever store you need to go to, shop as planned, and the show gets a small commission in the process. So once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. Hi, this is Alan Siegel, the designer of the NBA logo, and now you're listening to the Wax Museum Podcast. Okay, so today's main segment is uh, something that's been lingering in my mind for a little while now. So I want you to take a moment to think about the three hobby headlines I reported on earlier in the episode. you got the Michael Rubin interview, you got the HGA counterfeits, and then you've got the altered Kawhi RPA. Now, um, if you wanted to find any information about those three things, you likely ended up on some sort of social media platform like Instagram, or maybe even Facebook. And I'm sure you guys are aware that these two platforms in particular had a major outage on Monday. And that's in addition to all the other stuff that's going on with Facebook. I'm not going to go into all that. Um, Now, I don't want to overreact here, but as time goes on, I don't have a lot of faith in social media's long-term ability to help preserve hobby history. And you might even remember that I alluded to this in my conversation with Dr. Beckett. However, that's where the majority of our important information ends up for the time being. And I know part of why we lean on social media so much is the convenience factor. We all have phones, and it's so easy to type up a story or snap a picture and hit post. Um, You know, I know the hobby's been pretty active on Instagram for probably at least three or four years now, but at some point, this platform is likely to go the way of other popular social media platforms. And a lot of that valuable information is going to go with it. So, you know, let me make one thing very clear here, though. I'm not, I'm not saying we should abandon ship. I'm not going anywhere. I'm still going to use it. But it wouldn't be a bad idea to start thinking about the future and how we can preserve that information. I don't have all of the answers. I wish I do. You know, I wish I did. Um, I've talked about it before. One of my goals for this show is to treat it as a little time capsule for the future, But that doesn't really account for all of the conversations, all of the images, all of the videos, and all the stories that we might want to refer to, say, you know, five years down the road. And we've already lost so much hobby data and hobby history in the last couple years between PhotoBucket and WorthPoint and PWCC pricing. You know, I'd hate to see us lose any more when it could have been prevented all along. Um, I'd like to help. And I have a few ideas, but I don't feel like I have a lot of great answers for you. You know, in a perfect world, um, I can pose a problem. You guys can listen. I can give you an answer that the hobby has come up with and and, and we can move on. You know, I, I, I wish it was like that, but sometimes it's not. So if nothing else, I thought maybe I could take some time this week to help facilitate that conversation. So ironically, where did I go to make that happen or to initiate things? Well... Social media, of course. So on Tuesday afternoon, I ask you guys, what do you think we can do as a hobby community to better preserve our hobby history? So what I want to do here, I'm going to run through some of the responses and maybe add a thought or uh, a question or two of my own along the way. Okay, so what do you think we can do as a hobby community to better preserve our hobby history? Um, So one of the first responses I received was from late 90s B-Ball who said, use message boards. As a car enthusiast, I can't emphasize this enough. I'm still using 20-year-old message board posts. Well, um, I've professed my love for message boards on here many times before, so you know I'm all in favor of this one. And I I know a lot of people are turned off by the blowout boards. I don't know if any internet landscape is really going to be civil at this point. I guess I've, I've kind of accepted that. You know, it's just part of the landscape um, and personally, any information I think is really important and needs to be archived, I make sure it still ends up there. I talked about that Kawhi RPA earlier. I made sure I posted the information there first before I went to social media with it. That way I can refer people back to the blowout post where information is a little more linear and oftentimes easier to understand in general. Um, I still think it's the best medium out there when it comes to having real text-based conversations. Does that mean blowout is, is the only option? No. You know, we've seen over time that, um, when it came time to move on from certain message boards, people moved on and migrated to different places. Um, message boards aren't as prevalent in our culture in general today. So I don't know what that would look like. I know Reddit's very popular. I'm on the card Reddit, but, um, Yes, I will tell you, the card Reddit is a much different place from the basketball card forum on Blowout, so who knows. But anyway, uh, yes, I, I am a firm believer in message boards. Um, another response came from sports card therapist. He said, continue to document things on social media. And even though I address my concerns about social media already, I don't think that's a horrible idea. You know, It wouldn't be a bad idea to make things a little easier to search, though. Have you guys ever tried to go back and find a specific post on Instagram? You pretty much have to know the exact person that posted it. Um, I know at one point there was an effort on blowout to standardize hashtags and make cards easier to search. So think about what, what all I've just said there. We basically used the message board. We had to go back and use the message board to devise a plan to try and make the social media more searchable. So we had to go back to the message board so that that might be something to keep in mind um, anyway so we we tried to create a system where we would use hashtags and everything it was a great idea it would have worked really well if everyone took the time to properly tag their post but that's just not going to happen and i'll be the first to admit i stopped adding all the hashtag to my posts because it just took too much time at least in my opinion And in most cases, I wasn't looking to move the cards anyway. I'd use all the hashtags and it would lead to people asking me to buy my cards. So um, yes, I think social media still is a good idea. Um, I'm just not sure, you know, I'm just not sure where we're going with it, to be honest. Okay, Uh, one more response here from LJ and KG. He wrote lots and lots and lots of screenshots. I like this idea too. So... Um, you know, I, I'm I'm wondering, is there a program or an app out there that will download an entire account's history? But even then, the problem, once again, is how do we search through them? How can we effectively catalog this stuff? And I'm asking these questions partly because I'm hoping there's a tech guru out there that has some sort of solution for this. Uh, all right, Eric, aka SlanginRocks.pc, responded with an archive of hobby history Maybe not in a traditional written format, but some new medium, like a podcast. Okay, I see what you did there. Um, Similarly, The Corner's Finest said, Refer people to your pod. It's a fantastic historical account of the hobby. Well, first off, thank you. I appreciate the kind words. Um, I do want to say though, there are some other good pods and content creators out there, too. I've named, you know, I try to name them throughout different episodes. Um, One that... I think flies under the radar, um, that comes to mind just off the top of my head. Here's John, AKA the basketball card guy. He has some really informative YouTube videos that, um, I think everyone should watch a lot of good information and it's presented, uh, in a really, um, really easy, easy to digest way. I guess you could call it. Okay. Um, tiger underscore Jordan underscore three eleven wrote, construction of a card hall of fame which can also detail the history of the industry over time i think that's an interesting idea it's definitely somewhere i'd like to visit um i guess the next question would be where should it be located what geographical location is significant when it comes to basketball cards uh apocalypse underscore cards had a similar idea when he responded as your name alludes to we need a museum and then the itch for cards was thinking along those same lines too, I think, when he said open up a library. Um, another response, Bruin Card said we need a centralized repository of important and serial numbered cards. So notice it's a lot of gathering, right? This whole preservation thing involves a lot of gathering. Um, another response came from Big Smooth TX who wrote. I'd like to see all of the old articles from the Beckett magazines to be uploaded and available for free and available to consume on the internet. Let's make it all magazine issues over a certain age, say five years, so Beckett doesn't lose out on any profits. Um, You know, this idea really intrigues me because I I I've built a small library of old, you know, the actual physical issues in my office and I've used them for research for various episodes they're nice to have, but it's, it's really difficult to try and find a specific article. I know uh, one summer when I was going through some of them, I thought about using those sticky tabs to uh, mark certain stories when I came across them and try and create kind of a reference um, directory, but that's a lot of work. I never got around to actually doing that. But imagine if you could flip through them in a digital format um, and then even go further if we had like an OCR reader where we could search the text. Uh, that would be incredible. <laughs> the big issue, I say, you know, I was going to say the only issue is really the big issue would be the legality of the whole thing. If we're talking one or two articles. I think fair use comes into play and, you know, Beckett Media probably wouldn't mind that. But uh, years and years worth of magazines, you know, decades worth of magazines. I don't know if we could pull that off. Uh, I think permission would have to come from Beckett Media. Maybe there's somebody listening that could help make that happen. Or maybe there are issues out there that have been digitized already. I might have to shoot an email to Dr. Beckett about that. I think there's a, uh, a strong chance he still knows some people in the company and could lead us to the answers that we're looking for. Um, card underscore connoisseur number two suggested mass digitization of older uh, periodicals. Okay, So we just covered that. And then archive of eBay photos and sales by seller. And then in parentheses, he put rest in peace worth point. Um, you know, I know there have been tools that have scraped old eBay sales before. Is there anything out there that's grabbing pictures right now? You know, is there any way to reasonably build something that will do that? You know, I don't know. I'm, I'm legitimately asking. All right. And then finally, I saved my favorite response for the end here in talking about what can we do to help preserve hobby history. MC basketball PC wrote, ask older collectors a ton of questions, then incorporate that perspective into our own collecting, then share our perspective with younger collectors. You know, I think this is just great. Um, we need to have real conversations, not just with people in our circles. We need to go to card shows. We need to find the guys that have been doing this for a long time. And if they seem willing to chat, Pick their brain, ask them about some stuff on their table, ask them about what they're into, ask questions. And then, you know, if you appreciate the time and the knowledge they've given you, buy something small from their table, even if you don't want it. Um, it's, it's a fair trade. And then I think we need to take that information and pass it on to other people. All right. Well, there you have it. Um, I think there's a lot more we could add to this conversation over time. I think there are probably better places to have it than on a podcast and me trying to um, present both sides. But, you know, if nothing else, I, I want to treat that as a start to the conversation because we have a lot of talented, creative people in the hobby right now. I'd love to see everyone put their heads together to solve some of our hobby problems. And as I've expressed already, I think we need to be brainstorming more ways we can preserve this great hobby of ours. Maybe you have some ideas and you didn't get a chance to respond. Feel free to reach out to me on social media. You can find me on Instagram under at Wax Museum Podcast or Twitter under the handle at Wax Museum PC. If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to support the show by doing all of your eBay purchasing through the link on my site, which is www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. There's a big eBay logo at the top Click that and it should give me a small percentage of whatever you purchase in the 24 hours that follow. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcast. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store. Tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast.